Welcome back to Raven's Recap, where not us, not our guests, no one got this game right. Uh, we all thought that it would be competitive. We all thought that the Bengals were good. Uh, I think overall we just didn't think the Ravens would be so poor at executing their game plan and bouncing back against this team. The first 32 minutes went all right. It was a tight game. We were up actually by four points after 32 minutes. But man, that back 28 was uh, brutal. Absolutely brutal. The rails came off. Let's just get into it, guys. It was more like the back 20. By the time there were about eight minutes left in the game, uh, the Bengals had already scored all their points. And Ravens had uh, bench Lamar Jackson. And, uh, you know, they just had to get through the last uh, <laughs> yeah, seven six to eight minutes so. and just yeah. be able to finish out the game. Oh, man, it was rough. I tell you what, being there at the stadium, it's just everybody was deflated by the fourth quarter. And, yeah, around that time, people were leaving in full force. It was uh, not a good sight to see, for sure. Yeah, frustrating game. I mean, division games are like this in the AFC North. These guys know each other. Anything can happen in a division game. We've seen this before. Uh, gosh, 2014, what was it? The Ravens crushed the Steelers on Thursday night football in Baltimore. Then the Steelers repaid them on Sunday night football and crushed them in Pittsburgh. It's just division games are just weird, man. And any any team can win irregardless of record. But I think you have to really give it to these Bengals. We talked about them in the offseason. I know I really liked what they did with their defensive line. I thought that that was a really strong move on their part with all the moves they made and the guys are getting back healthy. But we discussed it. We're just like, this team's a year or two away. They're making foundational moves for the next couple of seasons, not for right now. But Zach Taylor, front runner for coach of the year right now. We'll see how the rest of the season goes. But the Bengals... It wasn't just that they beat the Ravens. They didn't look intimidated. They had swagger about them. They were not afraid of the moment. This Bengals team, watch out for them. They're, we thought that the Ravens might have some trouble with them, but this team's pretty good. Yeah, for sure. Two big things for me. I've been a fan of Burrow. I thought that when he was drafted, I think he, he was like, I think much more of the archetype of like the... Uh, cool collected but also like super talented quarterback I thought people thought that Baker Mayfield would be that for the Browns and to some extent he is I think the personality fits the team overall pretty good uh, quarterback for that system but he's just not at the level of where Burrow is Burrow is just you know a whole nother level of talent um, in my opinion anyway he was prepared for I mean every stage of this game he looked poised in the pocket it, it was like you know, whatever the Ravens did on every pass rush, Burrow was going to get that ball out and he was going to get it on time. And I was particularly impressed with a lot of the throws that he had. I mean, Averett had, uh, you know, for example, had pretty sticky coverage throughout the whole game. And, you know, he was always on his guy making the tackles. But unfortunately, Burrow would just put it like just outside of his arm length or Averett would try to swap it away and it would just get to him a brief second just before that. And I mean, that showed me, man, that he's just, he's got the poise. He has the accuracy. I mean, this this stage is not too big for him. And so um, that was one of my biggest takeaways. And honestly, the other takeaway we could probably talk about in a few minutes was that the Bengals' D-line just, you know, manhandled our offensive line. I think that was the absolute key to the game, for sure. Yeah, I feel like this one's a difficult one to talk about. There were failures on all sides. I think we should talk about the defense first, personally, just because Peter brought up a good point that the Bengals play with swagger. They... It wasn't a big moment for them. They were able to just, you know, come in, play their game, and and win. And I felt like the swagger on our team was MIA, uh, but mostly on the defense. The defensive swagger is just, like, lacking right now. And I think it's because they're not executing well. I know that they had a really big moment when they got the interception down 10, and they they celebrated. And honestly, like I'm of two minds with that. I've seen some people complain because they were down 10, that it's not time for celebration. But part of me was like, this is the turning point. Like we had a good offensive drive, like we're down 10, but this is, this is the, this is when we do the comeback. (laughs) Right. And and it it just, it fizzled out, man. Like the next drive was terrible and uh, we didn't get any points off of it. So, and then after that, they just got crushed with two home run, you know, kind of touchdown runs. Um, I just felt like, the team just looked, particularly that last touchdown run, just like completely, like not in the game. They just, yeah. they just lost. They lost their their killer instinct, and 
you know, everyone's talking about poor tackling by the Ravens. And I think that's fair. Like, obviously, there's been bad tackling. But I think what's actually worse and what could easier, like the easier fix almost for the tackling problem is they're not playing with much discipline right now. Uh, I think they were doing a lot of hero ball near the end there. You saw people all collapsing in one area and not trusting assignments and resulting in people being wide open or in a position where like on the second Uzama touchdown, you know, Elliot was expected to make a crazy tackle in open field um, that if the opposing team didn't make on Mark Andrews, we wouldn't think too much of because it's just like not fair, so to speak. But that's because everyone blew their assignment, right? Like, and I think that happened on more than that play. Uh, the the Mixon run, I believe it was Mixon, the 24-yard run, the one before the P. Ryan run. Mm-hmm. Like, the cutback lane was huge. Like, everyone flew to the left side where the, the blockers were going, but no one stayed <laughs> on the right side. He just cut back and was gone, <laughs> right? Like, and I feel like, like, clearly you don't make a play like that. So it, it feels to me that there's a point, there's an inflection point on this defense where when the going gets tough, it, it looks like, they actually start playing worse, <laughs> which is kind of intuitive, right? Like, because the first the first half, they, they I think they played pretty darn well, but they get once you get out of position, these teams can burn you. Like, they're just there's too much talent. Uh, I was talking to my mom earlier today about uh, the game. She was asking what I thought, and she's like, "That one wide receiver, he was really good." I was like, "Yeah, Jamar Chase, he's like." one of the best wide receiver profiles coming out of college in like a decade. Uh, so yeah, he's going to be a, a thorn aside for a long time. We got to get used to playing this guy, right? We got to get used to accounting for something like that. And we can't play with that kind of discipline and expect success. Yeah. I, I mean, I think you're right about the, aspire. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, this unit has given up three, 400 yard uh, passing performances already just seven games into the season. And they're one of only a handful of teams that have done that in NFL history. Um, you know, that's going to kill your confidence a bit. To your point about the team celebrating in the end zone and and some people being against it, I agree with you. I think that's exactly what they need. I mean, that was a turning point in the game. I actually thought when that happened that it was just going to be like the Colts game. It was like, okay, here we go. Marlon Humphrey, you know, he's gotten burned. This has been his worst game of the year, but he stepped up, made a smart play. We've got momentum here. And the Ravens offense, despite one of the most confusing things about this game was we saw coming out of halftime how the Ravens were able to strike super quickly in three plays to get a touchdown. And then the rest of the second half just couldn't muster anything on offense when it mattered. It was a very bizarre game in that sense. And yeah, I mean, most games, Ravens get that turnover you're down 10 points with that much time left there's nothing to worry about the offense is going to do that most days and I still think there's no reason to believe that they won't in many more games this season but just for whatever reason on offense I know we're talking about the defense right now but consistent execution just wasn't in in the cards I do think something though is interesting about the defensive performance yesterday was I, I think the Ravens were pretty close to bottling up Cincy though it's interesting. I was I was watching the replay today, and in the first half, like there were a lot of times the Ravens' defense made a lot of good plays. Anthony Averett, in particular, I thought actually had a stellar first half. The Bengals kept targeting him a lot, and he wasn't letting the receivers get behind him. They were only getting short gains. He had uh, at least one pass breakup of of a deep completion that fell incomplete, but. Just as some as the game went on, just some small mistakes, like you're saying, and then guys starting to over pursue, and then it just it just went off the rails at that point. Yeah, I wonder. Um, you know, one of the things I was kind of noticing a little bit, and I kind of like your guys' take on this a little, is that I, I felt like there were a handful of plays, particularly in the first half, where I was I don't know. It just it made me question maybe the game plan going into it a little bit more. I know uh, the the narrative usually is to to question Greg Roman a little bit, but I, I'm going to question Wink's game plan a little bit. Of I mean, I don't know if it was the right call to continue to blitz Burrow over and over again. I mean, there was I, I know there was one play that stood out to me. I don't know if you guys remember this one, but I think it was in the first quarter. It was one, uh, one of the first drives, and it was I believe it was like a third down play where you had Bowser and Stevens were sort of like QB spies, and so you had like. Um, they're basically lined up in the middle linebacker spot. 
uh, was spying for a little bit and then decided both the blitz. And I believe that Burrow basically just got the ball out to Pirine behind him and he was able to convert the to the convert that third down into the next one. And there, I felt like there were a few of the plays like that were just the Ravens weren't in the right position. They didn't execute. There, you know, a lot of those big like second and ten, third and ten just couldn't get off the field. And you know, in in normal circumstances, I guess maybe with a you know a less talented quarterback or a you know less prepared quarterback than Burrow, I mean maybe those blitzes hit home. But yeah, I mean kind of going back to what we were talking about with Burrow, I mean he's just he's very poised. I don't think any of the blitzes really affected him whatsoever. He was going to throw the ball out to who he wanted to get it to, and it basically there was not a whole lot stopping him all game, pretty much. So I, I'm kind of wondering if. Was it the right call to kind of go with this game plan this week? Should we have had more coverages with, you know, some single high, two high safeties or, or something like that? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, look at the performance too. I mean, the, the back-breaking plays in this game were all just, you know, busted coverages, really, you know, long uh, plays. And I'm just wondering if, you know, maybe Wink should have adapted the defense a little bit more to that. I do think it's pretty inexcusable to blitz as much as we did and not get sacks not get home i understand that like we talked before that sacks aren't like the end-all be-all statistic and I, I i know that's true but the problem is like we were bringing pressure and like you said chris it was causing gaps in our coverage that didn't seem to rattle burrow and we knew that their offensive line going into this game was probably a weakness that we could exploit we were calling for uh houston to get you know at least i called for houston to get one and a half sacks this game and the guy was in the backfield like crazy creating pressure and it wasn't with numbers i honestly i think a lot of those plays that he created pressure was just a normal you know four-man front and we just didn't get home and i think the blitzes like you said did bite us a bit and i just felt like they weren't that effective like they did a really good job of picking them up and we almost had a better pass rush when it was just four which is kind of ironic right I guess what I'm saying is that it didn't seem like they caught him off guard. The Bengals were always always prepared to block uh, everyone in those situations and and get away with it. Uh, whereas, you know, that's what you're traditionally trying to cause with blitzes is like you know the not to be paired mismatch open runner. We didn't have that. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely going to be on the Ravens to try and figure out you know what this is. I mean, was it you know was it you know the low energy was that attributed to just everybody looking forward to the buy and kind of getting their bodies right and preparing for the next part of the season. Was that primarily it? Was it, you know, are they missing guys that need to come back like a Derek Wolf? Um, or is it, you know, we need to mix up a little bit more coverages in there because yeah, I mean, it seems like right now, I mean, Burrow is, I mean, he's kind of like Mahomes in that he, he kind of figured out our, our man defenses and our, you know, delayed blitzes and, and disguise blitzes. It, it seemed like nothing was kind of phasing him. And yeah, I mean, that was just the biggest thing for me. It was just seeing like guys, you know, one-on-one to be able to make those plays and then repeatedly just get burned, you know? It's it's hard to see over and over again. And you really start to question it like, man, why wasn't there another guy there to help? It, it's not like I'm asking that we need to go to like a full, like, you know, cover three, cover four defense and, and play zone all the time. Like we don't have to do that. But um, in certain situations, I mean, you know, maybe we think about adding a few more of those in there. I think another thing that's really concerning with the defense and I don't even know if concerning is the right word because there has been a lot of what I want to say is overreaction to the defensive performance yesterday I mean let's not forget this defense just shut down the Chargers offense just the week before which it has as many they Chargers honestly I think have more dynamic playmakers than the Bengals although Jamar Chase may be better than any uh, playmaker on either of those two teams but what is concerning about the defense you look at who is out there and there's a ton of injuries on the offense but on the defense there's really not that many we're not missing that many guys from last year Matt Judon's in New England Derek Wolf has been hurt but honestly Matabuke we were expecting to be just as good a replacement or even better and then in the secondary Marcus Peters is out for the year but Jimmy Smith's back Tavon Young's back uh you still got Marlon Chuck Clark and and Elliott you know, it's it is a little concerning that this defense wasn't as bad as this last year, but you got a lot of the same personnel. So there is that, but I think also you can take some hope from that in that this unit last year did get better as the season went on and 
historically, the Ravens have gotten better at defense as the year progresses. The weather gets colder. The Ravens are always better prepared than most to play and adapt to that time of the year. And it also, historically, you gotta, I think if we look at some of the years when the Ravens' defense was absolutely porous in the first half of the season, 2013 and 2015 come to mind immediately, but there were some other years as well. They still shored those units up to be top half of the league by a year's end. So it's frustrating what happened, but with the history of this coaching staff and the personnel that are there, I think that it's going a little far right now to say, as I've seen some people say, oh, this defense is is total crap this year, and it's just going to be about the offense going forward if the Ravens want any chance of a deep playoff run. In my opinion, that's a little premature, and there will be better days post the bye week for this defense, but there are some big questions, as like you guys are saying, what is the best scheme for the guys that we have right now at their stage in their career? I think right now the the, the biggest the biggest thing for me in 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 terms of what could help this team, Derek Wolf in by himself, I don't think is going to save this team. But I do think overall defensive line, I think a lot of those guys need to step up. Honestly, I think a lot of you know Ravens Twitter, you know, I think a lot of people have been saying the Clay's Campbell and the Odafe Owe have been the uh, biggest bright spots on the D line and outside linebackers. I honestly, I do think it's showing a lot. Like Brandon Williams, I don't think is having the same year as he's had in the past. Uh, Pernell McPhee, I don't think has been as strong this year as he has uh, last year. And then other guys like Matabike, like at this stage in his career, it kind of feels almost like a Timmy Jernigan of like, maybe he's really good, but just not fitting the scheme uh, because he's just a guy who just, you know, he'll have like one or two plays, highlight plays, and then the rest of the time, you just, you don't see him. He's very quiet. But I think a lot of those guys need to step up. Broderick Washington, I think, is another one who, um, I think he's been on the injury report for the past couple of weeks. He might be a, a post-buy return. I think he could be also a, a good guy to kind of go back in and rotate with Wolf and all the other guys. I think that'll be huge if all those guys can stay healthy. Um, because, yeah, I, I think it really starts with them. I think, at least in the secondary, we have all the pieces. We know these guys can all play. One bad game from Marlowe is not going to shake my confidence. Um, in the moment, sure, yes, it did. But, you know, he's a, a heck of a player. I think all the guys that we have in the secondary right now are good players. But, you know, we do need all 11 guys to be playing very well for this defense to be really good. I've lost zero confidence in this defense. I mean, we've seen bad tackles before. You know, it's it's funny. Like, I honestly, like, obviously, if this continues, it's bad, and like, it will be will be a very mediocre defense if we keep missing tackles and letting up huge plays. But I honestly look at all those plays and think like, there's a fix for this. Like, there's a there's a very tangible like. It's not a talent problem. There's plenty of talent on this defense. It's a like assignments and scheme and being smarter problem. I just can't think that these players have made their whole football career and like forgot how to actually tackle. It just doesn't make sense, right? Like they know how to tackle. That's not the issue. I think, I think there are other issues at play here. Uh, and I think they're, I think they're fixable. I have full confidence that this team can put it together, but it might not be soon. It's really a question of how many games will it cost us? And will it cost us a playoffs game where there's no, there's no comebacks, right? I, I really don't care how long it takes to fix as long as we don't lose too many games because of it. And I really hope it's fixed by the playoffs is, is really all I care about with this defense. They're allowed to have their lumps right now and to learn. And it, in fact, it probably was best to get their asses whooped in this game. If they had rather than like maybe lose a couple here and there, like right before the bye week, it's like great timing to just get crushed <laughs> and, and maybe like re gear the second half of the season. And I think, Peter, uh, you brought up a great point on Twitter that we've seen great teams, including the Ravens in 2012, go to win the Super Bowl after getting wiped uh, in a game. Uh, and in 2012, it was against Houston, right? We just like absolutely cr- got crushed, and the team seemed to learn and get better and get hot and, and play well. I really think uh, it is toxic <laughs> how like Ravens Twitter has completely turned on this team. Like last week they were so happy. Now they're so sad. And I'm just like, guys, like 
it's probably somewhere in the middle chill out like it's okay like i guess it's okay to be upset and like i shouldn't tell people how to feel but sometimes i want to tell people how to feel uh, <laughs> oh you definitely try to tell people how to feel sometimes and it's not just twitter it's people in the stands too oh no dude people in the stands kill me and i know in that game i would have been extra killed like i can only tolerate fan bases when we're winning well when we're, yeah. when we're like middling like during the colts game a lot of people were just like oh what, the, what are you guys doing and i'm like guys there's plenty of time we got lamar jackson it's fine <laughs> like they can figure it out but yeah. it's it just it, i know how frustrating that can get it's just it just blows my mind but anyways i'm not worried about the defense and i think they can they can turn it around there's too much talent there but i want to i want to talk about the defensive line i think this is an interesting problem i don't think broderick washington uh has been hurt unless i'm missing something i think he's just been inactive and i think the reason he's been inactive uh, and not a part of the lineup is because we're carrying five inside linebackers with Welsh. And I'm starting to really wonder about that decision because, um, and even at the wide receiver position where you have um, Tyler Wallace, who's just been an excellent gunner, I think, and Boykin now active, also a good gunner. It just feels like we're putting a lot of eggs in the special teams basket for these like specialty players that is leaving us shorthanded on positions like defensive line. Like, could you imagine if we had a little bit more rotation going on on the defensive line? That could help because I think in the games that we had more people active on the defensive line, we've been better. I'm just throwing it out there. I like I haven't like gone back the the, the track of that, but I've noticed it's it's a recent thing that Broderick has been inactive because they're activating Bynes. This is like that's the, that's the delta, right? They, they brought Bynes in, they took away a defensive lineman, and I think we all agree Bynes is helping. Like he's worth activating, but I really have to question. Uh, if having Boykin and Welsh both active is actually a net positive for this team, like how much leverage are these special team snaps that you need them on the field or they're going to like, you know, score? Like, I just don't, I don't buy that. I really don't buy that. I think it's leaving us thin in positions that's like not cool. <laughs> like, you know, defensive line is like the number one thing that you rotate on the whole team. And they're just like one less. That's fine. Yeah, I mean it's it is an interesting question, and uh, I will admit I I don't I can't recall how many guys we rotated last year. Um, was it more than five? I think it had to be, dude, because you had um, Wolf. Yeah, Wolf the mix. and Matabuke and Ellis were going in there, and then Washington was some some games. Okay, maybe not every game. I just think I, I'll say this: I can say with confidence we didn't run five linebackers out there every week. That I can tell you yeah. for sure. And like that's, yeah, a, that's, no, that's the person. True. And I, I just like really don't buy that. I think the wide receiver one's interesting because, you know, we're just like barely using Boykin in any actual offensive snaps. And like Tyler Wallace has already been good at Gunner. Like like literally Tyler Wallace has like been a copy paste of what Boykin is essentially as far as actual offensive snaps and special teams production. So it just blows my mind now to have both of them. It just, it just feels like a, an inefficiency when you have these other problems. Like, Another thing, we're not talking about offense yet. I would like to see McCrary at this point. Like, give me another running back to look at. Like, activate him. Um, so I just think there's, I think they need to do some soul searching about this roster and the way that they're activating players at this point. The only thing I can think of is it just has to do with stuff in practice that we just don't have access to because they know it. I mean, I'm sure if, 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 Campbell and Campbell and Williams, they've been around for a while. If if they feel like they need more time off, uh and they're getting too many snaps in the game, I would I would think they would let the coaching staff know. Um, but yeah, I mean to your point with Boykin and, and Walsh, I completely agree. Yeah, it's it's a lot of guys who are only on the field for special teams, and I think it'll be interesting to see what the Ravens roll out after this bye week. Um because this is a team that has Super Bowl aspirations, regardless of what the the whole of the NFL media thinks right now. Um, they're not going to take this divisional loss, this divisional whooping, for lack of a better term, uh, lightly. I mean, if I were Minnesota, I would be scared of what's coming after the bye week because I think this team's going to come out on fire. Whether or not that will translate to a better performance, we'll have to see. Um, the Vikings themselves have a very dangerous uh, weapon in, in Justin Jefferson and some other guys as well, depending on that team's health. So that'll be a, another tough test uh, right after 
this one with against Cincinnati, but I could see us seeing a lot of, of personnel changes coming post the bye week, just with how many injuries they've had over these first seven games, and they've just kind of had to do patchwork on the fly. Um, I think the extra week off is going to give them a lot of opportunity to really see what personnel packages they want to do uh, the rest of the of the way and to figure out like like we're saying what are these inefficiencies how do you plug them and and go forward and not have a repeat of this past game I figure I'll just mention this to throw this out to be contrarian and to, to add a little humor here. So I'm just, while I love to see Broderick Washington in on defensive line, I didn't see his jersey at the stadium the other day. I did see one person wearing a Christian Walsh jersey, which was very surprising. <laughs> so I feel like they have to be related. A, is he a fan <laughs> right, favorite? Yeah. I don't know. Maybe he is. <laughs> oh, man. Just like a uh, fan favorite of Dafa Hayway. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> actual actual real fan favorite I, i'm kind of bummed that my jersey came in late and i had, it had to take a bye week with it you know <laughs> i won't get to run it out until the vikings game oh don't worry you could have wore a uh, a marlo jersey at the stadium it could have been worse <laughs> it could have been worse oh dude yeah i saw that i saw that it was probably yeah. i felt like maybe i need to wear my marlin jersey i didn't wear i wore no jersey i'm wearing the hoodie i'm wearing right now which is my uh ravens hoodie so I wasn't I wasn't in my full garb and I think maybe that maybe I have something to do with it. I have something to do with the loss. Yeah. I think I I basically talked about everything I want to talk about on defense. I don't think there's much to put pull from other than what we talked about. Like they just need to play better. Full stop. Every single player except for like uh, I'll give a pass to uh a guy like uh I think Campbell's been like really consistent. He's probably the most consistent guy we've had. Uh Oway and and Houston, Clark and Elliott, they they've all had like I think the most consistent games and it's just wild to me that Averett started so well they were like we're gonna pick on Averett that's gonna be our, our start and then we just and he was showed that he's a good corner and that you can't do that and then they're like maybe we'll try the all pro <laughs> cornerback <laughs> money Marlowe I mean it is Jamar Chase maybe it'll work out and then it did right <laughs> and it worked a lot um, I think that was actually really interesting to see that they definitely wanted to attack Averett and it it just wasn't working for him in the beginning so I guess it's like a, a silver lining to the whole thing. There are definitely yeah. some performances. Like, I mean, Houston, I think, was finding his way in the back. Like we said, like he was finding his way to pressure, but he wasn't getting home. Like there were players that did good things in this game. It's just that it's completely overshadowed by the bad, the bad blow up plays. And that's unfortunately like all it takes, right? You can magic eraser those five plays and the defense looks much, much better. They gave up a couple, you know, chunk plays and stuff, but nothing like that. And you just... It's just backbreaking. It's backbreaking to play decent defense for a while and then just slip up on a play and have them run right by you for the length of the field. It makes it all for naught. With all that said, uh, the defense, I mean, I think you do have to say that there was a chance that even with how bad the defense played yesterday, it may not have mattered if the offense was able to execute as they had been for most of the six games coming into it. Another inconsistent game from Lamar Jackson uh, didn't matter as much last week because everyone else on the Ravens was in tip-top shape, so Lamar didn't need to carry the team. But this was a game where the Ravens really needed to answer Cincinnati score for score, which they did for a bit, but then after that long Jamar Chase touchdown like we just talked about, offense couldn't get anything done for the rest of the day, whether it was penalties or drop passes or just odd play designs at odd downs really an off day for the offense i think we were down 10 maybe it was down more than that it was either 10 or 17 when they had the fourth and five fourth and 10 fourth and 15 is that right yeah chris yep. like i yep. want to ask you as someone at the game because like it wasn't clear in the broadcast just like how <laughs> how upsetting was that because that was yeah. like the cherry on top on like a really bad execution day. I just remember watching that and being like, you got to be kidding me. It went from like fourth and manageable to fourth and not great to fourth and like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I mean, not like not insane. Like we've seen it before, yeah. but just like, come on, like completely self-inflicted. You had Tyson Williams who looked like he was confused and just like, it, it just looked like nobody knew what to do. You feel like on fourth downs, like how many are you really going to, see in a game you have like five plays in your back pocket we like these plays we like how it will go against this team and you have like confidence you could just like hold up a hand five four you know whatever 
but no, like that's not what we had. It was just total confusion and it just felt it felt just like amateur hour. I, I'm curious what it was like at the stadium. I think it was a microcosm of just what we talked about at the very beginning where the Bengals had poise and we did not. I mean, it, yeah, it, extremely upsetting. I mean, you guys could probably also correct me on this one too, but I don't remember the Bengals having a false start prior to that play. They're the away team. They should be having false starts. The crowd is there giving you crowd <laughs> noise, doing the best they can to try and force a timeout or a false start, you know, something. Uh, and no, the Ravens had two or three of them back-to-back on that drive, which absolutely killed it. Yeah, so, I mean, it. I think, yeah, it comes down to just a poison and a mental game. And the Ravens were just, they were checked out at that point and just, you know, couldn't come back from it. Yeah, so it was extremely frustrating for sure. Yeah, the offense is weird. Like, Lamar wasn't, like you said, Peter, He it wasn't his best game. He wasn't just, like, dialed in where he was delivering dimes on dimes on dimes. Although, it kind of looked like that, man. The first drive out of, out of the halftime, three plays. You, you might as well call it two because the first one was, like, a no-gainer or a one-yarder from Andrews. And it was just, like, chunk, chunk, touchdown. And it was beautiful. And I was just like, oh, there it is. <laughs> they made the adjustments, the halftime adjustment. And yeah, then it was just gone, like you said. Like, and it was just like weird, weird ways of losing. Uh, it was in the second half where you had um, Lamar go for like a forty-yard scramble that got called back, and then for some reason there was no taunting call on the defensive player from Cincy who was pointing at the you know replay to Villanueva. I felt like I've seen like much less get called. Not that I think taunting should get called. I think that I think it's fine. But like, <laughs> if we're gonna have taunting calls, like at least call that. <laughs> right. I remember seeing that. Yeah, it was Hendrickson who uh, yeah was pointing to Villanueva. He's like, look at the screen. That's a hold. He's right. <laughs> I mean, admittedly, but yeah. I I mean, I don't know about you guys. I thought the one the one big takeaway I had was um yeah. I mean, I thought the the Bengals defensive line was definitely the difference maker in this game. They were just getting consistent pressure with three or four guys all game and nonstop. Um, Hendrickson was having a pretty good game. I can't remember the guy on the other side, but Ogun Joby, I think was, uh, also getting some pressure up the middle and just, um, Chris they were just, they're wrecking our guys. Hubbard. Yeah. Hubbard's the other guy, 94. They were just wrecking our guys. And, um, I think it really started there. And I think for me, one of the things that at least was kind of apparent from at least my angle of the field was that they were doing that in such a way that, they could get the pressure, Lamar had to step up or get outside the pocket and then try to look for somebody downfield, but they would have eight guys downfield and he either wasn't able to find somebody or they got him out of the pocket in such a way that he couldn't really reset to make the throw that he could. And that, like, I mean, credit to the Bengals, man. They just did a really good job because, yeah, it's just every time I'd, I'd look down the field to be like, somebody's open, Lamar's on the other side of the field, like, kind of like throwing to his left or you know making like some weird throw he just didn't see the guy and uh, yeah it was like it wasn't that guys weren't getting open i think guys were getting open it just there wasn't the opportunity to be able to make those those passes and then i don't know if you guys remember this too but there was like if we're talking like other things besides what the Bengals were doing there were two play calls in this game i don't know if you guys paid attention to but lamar came out of the pocket and or out, out of his stance i guess and was sort of like he had his feet backwards. He was like he was facing the other way, trying to make a left-handed throw, and he did it on two plays in a row. And I think these were like critical, like second and third down plays or third and fourth down plays. And I'm like, what in the world are you calling here? What is going on? <laughs> like, there is. As soon as I see him go out in that stance, I'm like, there's no way we're gonna make this play because he just can't throw the ball. You you can't. Like, I know he's got a good arm, but if you don't have the right footwork, you're not gonna do anything. So I have no idea what that was, but I mean, I just. I feel like when a, a whole day we're talking about a game where guys just weren't mentally prepared or stuff like that, I guess I'm just going to chalk it up to that of, I don't know what Lamar was thinking, but he was having an off day just like the rest of everybody else. I mean, I feel like Chris Hubbard or someone should have gone to the post game in the post game. Maybe they did. I didn't watch any of the Bengals post game interviews and just done an Eric Weddle and just said, these aren't the same old Bengals. I mean, it, they just weren't there. You got to look at this. And I do wonder I don't want to really question guys' professionalism because we don't really know what goes on. We don't know what are in these guys' heads. But you look at pretty much the entire roster outside of Sam Cook and Justin Tucker. None of these guys have been around for when the Bengals were good. 
Like the Bengals have been an easy game for for most of these guys for pretty much the entire time they've been in, in purple and black. So part of it could just be like, you know, they're looking past them to the bye week. They're just like, oh, man, we just shut down the Chargers. We shut down Eckler and, and Keenan Allen should be able to shut down the rookie Jamar Chase. And then pretty much the rest of the offense is just the same guys that we that hardly scored against us last year. But and again, like I said, I'm I don't know what is going on with these guys. I'm not questioning their professionalism. I'm just saying it's a possibility whether conscious or not, that they weren't expecting the Bengals to be as prepared of a team as they were and as unintimidated by the moment um, as they ended up being in the game. I mean, they were hungry for that win and were not phased at all at, at any point during that game. So I think that it's going to be a much different game when the Ravens play the Bengals again in December. Both these teams will be in much different places. A lot of games will have happened in between and this is a proud Ravens team, It'll, I think it'll at least be closer. But I also think that the Bengals, definitely over to Steelers and Browns, are the Ravens' biggest threat to the AFC North title as it stands right now. I agree with that, with what we've seen so far. I totally agree that the Bengals are definitely the number one team to keep an eye on at this point in the season in the AFC North. I think we can beat them, though, man. I'm looking forward to that rematch in Cincinnati. I, I really do think uh, we we had one of the worst games we could have had. Like, in the range of outcomes, we had one of the worst games. I think they had one of their better games. And I'm looking forward to a more even game. <laughs> <laughs> right? Maybe two B performances and see which one comes out ahead. It, it'll be close, yeah. but at least it won't be a blowout. I mean, the NFL is a week-to-week league. It's just, you know, we just have to look at last year. The Kansas City Chiefs crushed the Buccaneers in Tampa. I think that was right before their bye week as well last year. What happens in the Super Bowl? They're back in Tampa Bay, and it's the opposite. You know, I think in the moment, like as NFL fans, like we overreact to what is right in front of us, whether it's good or bad, because especially if it's bad, because we look forward to these games all week, right? We got Purple Friday, we're waiting all weekend for Sunday, and we're just excited for the game. So when the team comes out and, and lays an egg, it's it's a big letdown. It's a it's a big bummer. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a big bummer. You know what I mean? So, I, yeah, so there's emotional reactions to this, and I think it's going to taper out, and I think that over the, the next week or two, from a fan perspective, I think fans are going to remember more about how this offense, this passing offense we're seeing is one of the best we've ever seen, probably the best we've ever seen for the Ravens. They have a lot of players on defense that are showing promise this year, even if there are some holes. And also that the coaching staff has put together, you know, a patchwork group of guys on the fly, especially on offense with all the running backs and offensive linemen hurt. Five and two, they're, they're tied for the best record that, best start through seven games that they've ever had in franchise history. You know, sure. Could it all fall off the rails? It could. That's within the realm of outcomes, but I just still think that you look at what the coaching staff has done right now with all the injuries. You got to think that, that there's some better games ahead. Yeah. I mean, definitely. I think, you know, we continue, we need to continue to get guys back healthy. I mean, um, ben Cleveland, I think at this point will be a great addition when he comes back. Uh, we didn't talk about it, but Pat McCarry was uh, was injured in this game. Looks like it's a high ankle sprain, so he's probably going to be it out for a couple of weeks. Definitely going to be on the short term IR. Hopefully, he comes back this year. I think between that and yeah, Cleveland is just, and then obviously with Ronnie Stanley not coming back either this year. Um, yeah, it was like. We were relying on so many of these guys kind of being back and being healthy to be in the right spots on O-line, and now it's just like none of, none of those things have really panned out. Even Nick Boyle was supposed to be back at the beginning of the year. Um, you know, he's taken a little bit longer to be back. I don't think he's been designated to return yet, has he? Oh, I think he is designated to return. No, he has. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah him, him, and, him and Wolf are both now designated. I mean, okay. oh, it's, it's happening. It might be okay. <laughs> we might have well, reinforcements. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah we, we might be. Yeah, it might be. Can any of them play running back? 
but uh yeah we're, i mean we're just hoping to get back everybody at the same time you know like you, you know you don't want Boyle to come back and then like cleveland you know like he gets hurt again and then cleveland come, you know you need everybody back at the same time that'd be nice that's really honestly the, the thing that i'm worried most about right now is just is lamar and this receiving core are they going to are they going to be able to have the opportunities to save our season basically because right now it's you know we know the running back situation is not very good i think it's compounded by the offensive line situation and when both of them aren't really doing a whole lot for this team you know there's only so much that lamar can do and i think that was kind of really shown this game of the Bengals were just dialed in and anything that he wanted to do was kind of very locked down people guys were disciplined they were swarming to the ball they were preventing lamar from breaking any big plays they were preventing him from throwing anywhere um you know we we need we need reinforcements somewhere to be able to afford ourselves those opportunities to be in those situations and if we face a defense like cincinnati again this season i'd have to say like unless we get guys back we're gonna have trouble one thing i think that kind of went overlooked and i think could explain partially why there were some issues with the ravens offense um against cincinnati i do think that missing Sammy Watkins in this game did hurt the Ravens a bit. Yes, the Ravens didn't have Sammy for the second half of the Colts game, didn't have him against the Chargers, but I do think when you play better defenses, having that third proven commodity out there for the defense to also pay respect to, in, in, in some ways, I feel like the that we were back to 2019 and 2020 on Sunday when the defense was really just keying in on Hollywood and and Mark Andrews and they didn't have as many wide open looks as they had in the first four to five games of the season when Sammy was out there. Sure, the Ravens still had Rashad Bateman out there and really the Bengals really weren't paying him any mind. All the he looked great out there, but no one was covering him every time that Lamar threw it to him. So it was easy yak for him and. Duvernay and Prochet, we've said that they've made some big steps this year, but neither of them are, are guys that def- the defense is going to to focus on. We know that. We know that they're going to focus on Andrews and Hollywood and Watkins when he's in there, and, and hopefully Bateman by the time the season winds down, um, if he continues to, to be healthy and, and look as good as he has. But hopefully Watkins can get, get back because I do think him just being – a veteran guy who's there for those short underneath passes uh, has made a couple clutch catches already this year. I think the defense, it just, it's just another guy that the defense has to respect as far as a receiving threat. And it helps out Andrews and, and Hollywood a bunch. I definitely think a veteran presence there would have been helpful, particularly when things started to get a little South and just the lack of uh, execution. You basically had a bunch of young bucks out there trying to make things happen. So I do, I do agree with you there, Peter. And I'll, I'll throw this out there. I mean, honestly, the McCary injury was huge. He's been playing out of his mind at right tackle. Really lucky to have him. And now that we're down to our fourth tackle, which is, of course, uh, Tyree Phillips, who was playing left guard to start the game or start the season and just came back from injury. Total trouble fire back at the right tackle position. And he didn't have the best game. And I'm wondering, like, how much his mobility is there. I mean, we, we saw him struggle last year, so it's not like completely new uh, news that he could struggle that position. But, you know, once you have that kind of falling apart, then you start bringing in Ricard, who played almost 60% of the snaps this game, trying to get like chip blocks and help protect. And then you just lose another passing option. And like this, this, this offensive line cannot create holes. It seems like against good defenses or like above average defenses, like you might as well forget it with the running game at this point. Like we we are not getting pushed, we are not creating holes. We're we're like just missing blocks entirely. Like the Le'Veon Bell play to the outside, just total disaster. Like Oliver and uh, I believe it was Oliver and Ricard just both like weren't in position to make blocks on that play. Just the way it was drawn up, a guy just shot the gap, big five yard loss. I mean that's like a penalty. It's like worse than a penalty because the loss is down. I mean it just was bad, right? And the whole running game is just a disaster. You you know when you watch the game, if you look at the if you look at the box score, it looks really bad. But when you watch the game, what I kind of noticed was there are like all the like running plays that were 
decently effective. And then ones that just like legitimately lost yards or were no gainers. And that's the problem. In my opinion, there's like, we're not getting any of those just like two or four yard grind out runs. Like those just don't exist with these running backs. You had with Edwards and Dobbins, this ability to make something out of nothing, get a couple yards. And that's like a difference maker in the running game. And here it's just like, was there a hole? Yes. How many yards does that hole provide? That's how many yards I got. Maybe one less, <laughs> you know, like it's just, it's just not like I'm not. And like, I, I'm, I don't think there's any way to sugarcoat this. Like that is literally what our running game is. Unless Lamar Jackson's running it. There is zero actual real creation by these guys at this point. It's pretty bad. And like I said earlier, I'm, I'm in the McCary, like call him up instead of Tyson. If you want to next game, I think that's like completely reasonable because it can't really get much worse <laughs> and he might be like decent. I think we ruined Tyson, dude. I don't, it does not look like the same guy from preseason. I understand it's different players, but he is like holding the ball. Like he doesn't want to drop it again in his life. He's not being physical. Like he went out of bounds on fourth down, which I don't think like if he muscled for first down yards, he would have gotten it. But just like he just he just looked wrong. He like he looked lost. His his pass pro was terrible. Like I, I get why he's not active. He just like he it looks like a ghost. <laughs> like it looks like a ghost of himself. I mean, I'm not saying he was like a world beater, but I I thought he'd be a lot better than this. And it's just it's just bad. It's just bad, bad. Yeah, it's really strange. I mean, he had a first the first two weeks, he did pretty good. I mean, he, yeah, he didn't look like this at all. But now it's just like who? <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know what happened with him, man. There's something going on. Undeniably, I would love to be a fly on the wall. There's something going on. It's not like he just he didn't like just like we were talking about the defense. He didn't forget how to play overnight. Like there's something going on, and I I hope I hope it comes around. But at this point, like we need to see it first, and we're not seeing it at all. I want to give chance to McCarry because like I don't see the Ravens doing a trade. I mean, they could for running back. I think the most interesting player out there is Mac. I don't know if they'd be willing to give it to us. <laughs> and I don't know how much it would cost us. And I don't know, honestly, if another running back is going to help with how this offensive line's playing. I'm looking at the offensive yeah. line and thinking, like, that's really the big problem. Because, shoot, man, if we're providing holes, like I said, these guys can at least get the yards we provide them. They're able-bodied enough to do that. <laughs> so, and... and would Mac be a guy who could muscle out a couple yards when there's nothing? I think he'd get a cup. I think he's. I think he would be better than anyone on this team. But I don't know if he'd be enough, and if it's really worth bringing him in. When, if you can like snap Tyson out of it, or uh, McCrary is just better, or you get better offensive line play. These are all things that I think are maybe a little bit more achievable than what we have right now. Yeah, I'm not holding my breath for another running back to come in during the trade deadline. I mean, honestly. I think everyone who's out there, the Ravens have given uh, a shot to. They've rolled the tires on that decision. Um, There's so many running back injuries throughout the NFL this year that I imagine any team that does have someone they want to deal, um, Marlon Mack or the Colts or anyone else, it's going to be a high premium because they know there's going to be a lot of buyers. With that said, I, I am cautiously optimistic about the offensive line if for no other reason than just the Ravens' track record. I mean, we've seen this before with the Ravens. Uh, 2017 comes to mind, first half of the year. So many problems with the offensive line, injuries. And we had guys on the line like James Hurst and Austin Howard and Jermaine Illuminor, guys who I, I don't think any of those guys are on NFL rosters right now. And the second half of the year, the Ravens were able to put it together and, and find a scheme that that worked well enough to give them a shot at the postseason. As we talked about last week, if they had stopped Tyler Boyd on fourth and forever, they would have made it. But I, I think the track record here, again, stands in the Ravens' favor. They're year in and year out, if when they've had trouble with the offensive line, in the second half of the season, they've seemed to find a way to make it work. We'll see. I mean, just because they've done it in the past doesn't necessarily mean. I'm just saying I think that the philosophy is there to to find something that can work. But, it, the, yeah, the number of injuries is really starting to pile up. And Villanueva, we already are seeing against the more athletic defensive ends, he is really having a hard time against. 
um, uh, Powers Powers did not look good at all yesterday. He got blown up on several pass protection assignments. Um, Bozeman and Zeitler are really the only guys holding down the fort on this crumbling offensive line with McCarry out. So, yeah, I, I think the coaching staff can figure something out, but I, I completely understand the, the concern because it's really frustrating to watch a game where, like Chris was saying, there were Bengals were leaving guys open because they knew they could get to Lamar in time where it wouldn't matter against the offensive line that the Ravens are trotting out there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I don't, I agree with you, Peter. I mean, I don't, I don't doubt that the Ravens are going to figure out what best combination to throw out there. The question is really just how good is that best combination? Is it, is it an A line? <laughs> is it a B line? Is it C? <laughs> uh, D maybe, you know, uh, at this point it's just, you know, what's their ceiling and how, uh, you know, how, how far, how far are the Ravens going to go? with that because yeah i think we're all i think we're all kind of in agreement right now it's that's kind of the that's the clear weak spot i mean if you leave out the defensive tackling issues and and some assignment issues i really think it's it's the offensive line i mean that's um we've seen a, a weakness on the run game and even though the passing game has been better now we have evidence to show that like you know when the o line's not able to protect the passing game's not really going to do much either so Man, we have like 10 or 11 picks next next year, and I know we have like four or five fourth rounders. I fully anticipate being like tackle, guard, defensive tackle, defensive end. <laughs> like, I'd be okay with that, man. I, oh, I, me too. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think next year we are going to absolutely like slam the, the trenches. Like every pick, man. Because if you look at the rest of the roster, it's actually relatively full. I think there are very few other places where you're like, Ooh, we could get a player there. Like I could see us drafting a cornerback. Cause it's always good to have a new one in the rotation. Defensive line, just unbelievable amount. I think, I think we need to like leave at least with two and I wouldn't be surprised if we have four, like two feels like the minimum three feels ideal and four feels doable too. And it's wild to say that, but like they just need, they need to find people at this point. Yeah. Better hope they go back to, uh, I don't know, 2006 when they picked Lodi Nada or 2007 when they picked Grubbs and Yonda in that draft. Hopefully they, like, you know, combine those two into one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because, like, while I'm saying it, I'm like, oh, but there's good players there. Like, it's just it's just bad luck that, like, all these injuries have hit and stuff, which is definitely true. But part of me just thinks, like, how do we like, – I don't even know. Maybe Maybe I'm overreacting to the injuries and just, like – you're not supposed to be down three uh, offensive tackles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a confluence of things, right? I mean, right now, it's this loss seems a lot worse because of all of the injuries which had already happened, and so all the all the wins that happened before that were basically like, oh, this is awesome because we have so many guys out, so we're playing really good. But then when the big loss happens, it's like, oh crap! Well, we lost all these guys, so that was the reason why. And so it's just like you're compounding it. I definitely think from like the most of the fan base's perspective, that's why this loss feels so bad. But I mean, you know, at the end of the day too, look, I mean, Bozeman is not a guarantee to be here next year. Uh, Powers, I think, will be on his fourth year deal. Stanley, again, we're hoping he comes back. That's not a guarantee. I mean, we thought he was going to be back this year and, you know, made it back one game and then went on IR again. So it's it's a little iffy. I mean, Zeidler, I guess, I'll probably be under contract at that point. Honestly, almost every position on the line next year is probably going to be open. Like it's not guaranteed, so that's that's a big question mark for a team that already goes in every off season not knowing what the starting five offensive linemen are going to be. That's a huge concern. So I mean, yeah, I mean, if if it makes sense, if there aren't any other holes, if the Ravens want to double dip there, like they have at right wide receiver and defensive line and linebacker the past couple of years, I think that would be a good move. Well, it doesn't seem like there's much more to talk about other than our moral victories. I'm going to start off with uh, something I tweeted, and it's gotten you know pretty good traction, honestly, for one of our tweets. So maybe it resonated with you guys, or you just wanted some silver lining out of this game. But I'm going to talk about Bateman's uh, acceleration and speed through the catch point. I think that's like the biggest thing that really separates him. He just flies through level two, and is like he catches the ball and like doesn't even take a millisecond of delay, which is also. Uh, Lamar delivering the ball in the right spot, right? But like, he just has that confidence, to just run right through the catch, 
keep on rolling and, and make big plays. And uh, even the one play where he wasn't running, he like came back to catch the ball. He was going upfield so fast after he secured that ball. And I think that's like really his uh, his calling card and what makes him uh, what what makes him a great prospect going forward. Yeah, he looks really promising. I, I like that one. Um, I'm going to go more on the humor route, as I like to do for these. I'm going to give my moral victory award to uh, Nick Moore. I mean, the guy <laughs> has a, a highlight reel. They can show his friends, and they can actually be, like, excited about it when he comes home. And, you know, and they're tired of him, you know, going into excruciating detail about how he set up the, the snap for Justin Tucker's NFL breaking kick. Uh, NFL record-breaking kick, excuse me. You know, he he got a, a highlight tackle on, it was either the first or second punt of the game, I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, the Palmer Turner just ran into him, and he just stonewalled him and just, like, stumbled back five yards. Just, you know, uh, most exciting highlight of his career. Um, <laughs> I think I, I remember seeing an interview once with uh, Zach Britton, former all-star closer for the Baltimore Orioles. Um, before he was an all-star closer, he was a, a failed starting pitcher. But at one point, he um, in a game again in the National League, the Orioles were visiting National League Stadium, and he was up at bat, and he hit a home run. And according to Britton, it's the only highlight, it's the highlight that his dad loves showing all all his buddies. Doesn't show him any pitching highlights, just keeps showing him the, the highlight of <laughs> Britain hitting the home run. So I, I feel like it's kind of like that for, for these linemen. It's just like, you know, no one cares to see highlights of them doing their craft right. But if they make, you know, a, a big highlight play, like a big tackle, or when they get a touchdown catch, that's something that that people will, will really gravitate to who don't follow their position as closely so congrats nick moore you got a you got a cool video to show your buddies <laughs> <laughs> great um i'll uh i'll go with this one um just i i this is before i think the game kind of went south and i had this on my mind so i'll bring this up and i remember telling you guys this before but uh calais campbell so before the defense decided to have a historically bad showing in the game <laughs> They actually, uh, at least at the stadium, they announced the defense. The starting defense came out, the player introductions. I thought it was really special because um, I believe the last game I went to, I think it was the offense that they uh, came out with, the Chiefs game. I think they did the starting yeah. offense at that time. I, I thought it was pretty special for Calais Campbell to be the last person that they announced for the starting defense. Um you know, and we've been talking about him the last couple of weeks. I think he's been playing out of his mind. I, I think this game also was pretty good. I mean, like like we said, I mean, he's been one of the few highlights on this defense week in and week out. And I just thought it was really, um, I thought it was just really cool of, you know, I mean, he's only been here a year, a long, long, long time Cardinal, uh, been playing in the league forever. But, you know, he really seems to have, you know, gotten the respect of, of everybody in the locker room. And, you know, I know we've talked about how he's such a great player on the field, but I mean, I just, I thought that was really cool just for, for him. I, I expected kind of like Marlon to be one of the last players, but he was the second to last and Calais was the last one. And I thought that was pretty cool. So uh, my moral victory is that Calais Campbell, I mean, he's a great player, but um, possibly even a, a better man, a better locker room presence. So yeah, he's won the Walter Payne award a few times and just like, you know, he's a, a great man and a leader he breaks the huddle a lot and yeah it was cool to see that i actually saw someone streaming on twitter so i saw the introductions as well and i thought it was really cool that they announced him last too and he looked so fired up uh i really hope i get to see a ravens defense introduction this year because uh i want to i want to cheer him out there too like that's just that was awesome so and hopefully lead to a better defensive performance i don't know what happened there man it was that was sad we need a ray <laughs> Yeah, it feels so odd to say because I know at the end of his career he was just like, I don't know, a little ridiculous and over the top, and even his own teammates like Flacco like <laughs> seemed to kind of like shrug and roll their eyes when he came out and everything. But come on, you watch all of his highlight videos and you, he gets you pumped up. You're gonna run through a brick wall, and it seemed like it always worked. <laughs> it would be nice if we had another one of those. <laughs> this team, while they have confidence and swagger, are just so much more understated. It always felt like every time Ray Lewis came out there and when he did his dance and all, it was just like, like he just had those like predator eyes, man. It looked like, you know, he was out for blood. And sometimes yeah. like, you know, you got Lamar just like waving his towel and like, I know that's his thing. Just like waving his towel when he comes out, but it doesn't look like he's ready to like destroy someone. Now granted he's not defense, 
like he doesn't go out there looking like he's just ready to like rip a throat out but ray lewis kind of (laughs) did yeah talk about killer instinct man that would be nice to have we'll see (laughs) maybe oa will be that guy Actually, I will say, I think Pernell McPhee has been that guy. And it's pretty cool to have him and Bynes back on this team because they were there to witness that. And uh, McPhee, I don't know if you guys have seen, but McPhee has kind of been the guy to um, uh, do a lot of the pregame speeches for the defense. So, um, again, not at Ray's level, but it's still pretty cool. Well, guys, that's it for Ravens recap this week. Uh, Obviously, because we're going into the bye, we're going to take the rest of the week off, so to speak. But we do plan to record a bye week episode and also, of course, our... uh, vikings preview we have a good guest lined up for that so definitely stay tuned as the more content comes out next week make sure to follow us at ravens underscore recap we'd love to hear your thoughts on this game and the ravens overall going into the bye week and you can also email us those thoughts feedback at ravensrecap.com. like i said we'll be back next week enjoy the bye week guys i know like sunday's not gonna be as fun without a game to watch but you know maybe enjoy some other games on the tv uh maybe hang out with the fam do whatever but uh You know, this is our week to relax a little bit, I guess, too, as fans, as much as we might hate it.